So glad to be with you guys today. If you don't know me yet, my name is Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. And we're going to start with the Bible, believe it or not, as Christians. We believe in starting sermons with the Bible. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on that table over there. We're going to start out, um, and it's also going to be on the screen, the scriptures are. We're going to start out in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. And also in Matthew, chapter 28, um, verses 18 through 20. And I just want to, as you're turning there, um, begin this sermon. We're in the middle of a series uh, called The Gospel According to John. It's based on the Gospel of John, written by John the Apostle. But today I'm going to be talking about a different John. John, uh, not John Etiola, but John the Baptist. Because in the book of John, we've gone so far through the chapter one that now he's talking about another guy named John. And so just assume that most of the time for the sermon, I'm not talking about the guy who wrote this gospel. I'm talking about John the Baptist. Um, So we're going to be talking about John the Baptist's witness today. And uh, but before before we go there, um, I just want to read some of these scriptures from the, the very end of Jesus ministry here on earth. All right, so he has been to the cross, he's died for the sins of the whole world, and he was buried, and he was in the tomb for three days, and he rose again, and he's been seen, not, not resuscitated, but resurrected, back to life. He's been seen by over 500 eyewitnesses to his resurrection. And these two passages are some of his last words that he says before he ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then the next passage here, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now wait a second. Does it matter what he says right now in terms of whether or not we need to obey it? (laughs) He's risen from the dead and he's looking his disciples in the face that saw him die, saw him be buried. And he's looking at them and saying all power and authority in heaven and on earth, anything you can imagine is under my authority. Therefore, I have some instructions for you. Now, he could have said even to me, like, don't eat pizza or bacon. And I would feel a need to obey that. Right. But thankfully, he gave us good news. He gave us instructions. Good news that we can eat pizza and bacon. Um, No, he gave us news. He gave us instructions. So let's go on. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he bookends it with a promise. And surely I am with you always to the end, even to the end of the age. Jesus says in some of his last words to his followers before he ascends to heaven, he says, go make disciples. He answers one of the deepest yearning of our hearts for a mission and a purpose and something, a cause to serve outside of ourselves. So many of us are looking for that. Jesus has given it to us. 
And not only has He given us that cause and that purpose for our lives as followers of Jesus, but He said, all authority is given to me, and as you're going, I'm going to be with you the entire time, even to the end of time. I am with you. Core to the nature of all followers of Jesus, of all believers, is this call and this command to be witnesses to the light. To be witnesses. It's who Jesus has called us to be. It's how He's called us to behave. To be witnesses that point to Him. And if you're here and you're not a believer today, I'm going to let a cat out of the bag. Every one of us that's here that is a believer wants you to know Jesus. We want... That's why, that's, that's why you got invited here today. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know the joy and the life that comes from repenting of sin and turning towards Him and rejoicing in His forgiveness and the, the new life that He's given us in Christ. We want that for you today. And so the message is, is going to be basically to Christians today about witnessing. But if you're not a Christian... Hear the witness today. Hear the gospel. But if you are here and you're, you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus, be honest with me and yourself for a second. When it comes to witnessing, how is it going in your life? When it comes to being a witness of the light, pointing people to Jesus, how is it going? Are you a witness to the light? Do you live... Do you live in such a way that people ask, what's different about you? Why, why did you serve that person so much? Why did you give that amount? That doesn't even make sense. Do you share the good news with humility but with confidence? Do you share the good news? Do your words, do your actions point to Jesus and point to His love for us? His love for us. For you, as followers of Jesus, we all have room for improvement when it comes to being a witness. All right? Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we lose focus. And we just start to blend in with the crowd around us. And if, and if an outsider looked at our life, there wouldn't really be any big marked difference besides maybe Sunday morning or, or a Wednesday throughout the week or something. But... We just start to blend in or sometimes when it comes to sharing the good news where we have fear, we have fear of our reputation or what are people going to think of me or what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to say or, or what if it's not the right time? And then sometimes we, we just do our own thing. We, we're going about our lives. We're busy about our lives. Searching for our plans, our dreams, our goals, looking for our cause and overlooking God's mission for our lives. And so I'm speaking today about the marks of a witness and I'm not speaking as one who has it all together or claims to have it all together. I'm not speaking as a perfect witness to the light. I'm speaking as 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 a as a fellow follower of Jesus called to be a witness, seeking to be a light. But oftentimes I get distracted, oftentimes I get fearful, oftentimes I get negligent, oftentimes I'm busy doing my own thing. And so I'm speaking today with a repentant heart, and I'm hoping that as we look at this today, 
I'm not speaking because we're hopeless or imperfect, but I'm speaking because we have hope. You know, a lot of times when we we fall into the trap of witnessing, we think of we're witnessing for Jesus, almost like it's hired labor, like we're doing him a favor to tell people about him. But when we look at the gospel, we're going to see that it's more like we're being a witness of Jesus. We're being a witness of what he's done and what we've seen. Similar to if you witnessed a crime, would it be a a big deal for you? Would it be a, a job, a work for you to testify in court for the justice of that person? No, you're just sharing what you saw, right? You're not making something up or hopefully they didn't pay you off. That's different type of witness, right? Here's the deal. We witness because of the hope we have. As people who are part of God's church, we have seen Jesus take our sin and take everything we've ever done wrong, every ounce of brokenness and bitterness and rebellion in our life, and on the cross He takes it on Himself. The death that we deserved, He died The life that we don't deserve, He has given us. We are free to live differently in Jesus than before we knew Jesus. We are free from the brokenness and addiction to sin. We are free. Woo! We have good news. And He's risen from the grave. Not only has He freed us, but after He died and was buried, He rose again so that we could have hope of rising again with Him. Because of Jesus, we have eternal optimism. I don't care how bad your life is. I don't care how bad the people in your life think their life is or it may be. You can still be optimistic on their behalf and give them hope because of the news we have. Isn't that awesome? So with that being our base, knowing that we're called to be witnesses and knowing that if you're here and you you are in Christ, you have witnessed something amazing in Christ already. You have something to share. With that being our basis, I want to look at John the Baptist because I believe His example is going to show us a few ways that we can grow as Christians and how to be better witnesses. And this is something for for our city, for our families, for our co-workers, for our neighborhoods. This is something our city needs. This is something we need to really, if we're going to experience the joy that Jesus Christ has saved us for, we need this. And so I pray that as, as I'm sharing this today, as we're looking at, the, at John the Baptist and his example, I pray that your heart would not be uh, comparing yourself to him and saying, okay, well, I need to be better than John the Baptist. By the way, good luck with that. Jesus did say that John the Baptist is one of the greatest to ever live. Right? But he also said, and whoever's in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Right? So we have a greater hope. We have the gospel. Let us learn some principles today about the marks of a witness. So let's read um, this passage of John chapter 1 today. And uh, I'm going to read the passage in a second. I believe the principle is just just real simple. The principles that we're going to find is that 
what we can learn from John and being a witness is that our lives can demand a question and that we can be ready to answer and that we can make much of Jesus. That's what we're going to learn today from the passage, all right? So it's John chapter 1, verse 19 um, through 28. It'll be on the screens here. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I promise to speak the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked them, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing him if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Basically, why are you doing what you're doing? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So as we look at the example of John, we find that we can, that in order for, to have the marks of a witness, and I can't, I can't characterize everything that has to do with witnessing, right? But the ones that we're going to focus on today is demand a question, be ready to answer, and make much of Jesus. First of all, demand a question. When we look at John the Baptist, we don't see too much of it in this passage, but John the Baptist is mentioned in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, repeatedly in the book of Acts. He's prophesied about in Isaiah and Malachi, so Old Testament and New Testament. And we learn a bunch of stuff from him. But what we see here is that the religious elite sent someone to find out who is this guy? What is he doing? So they send out a a group of priests and Levites who part of their job description was to test the claims of prophets or those who were those who were preaching, those who were proclaiming to have a word from God. Their job description was to go and find out, is this guy for real or not? Is he crazy? Should we follow him? Who is this guy? Go find out who it is. And the first thing I just want to point out is what was he doing It makes you wonder, what was he doing that was such a big deal that they had to ask? Right? He was out in the wilderness. Was he just doing normal stuff? (laughs) No, he was out there doing something that demanded a question. If you read about John, he was a a pretty interesting character. It said that that he wore um, clothing made of camel hair. And he had a leather belt. And he ate... um, 
locusts and wild honey, which sounds great. I don't know. I'm sure there's some sustenance there, right? So he, he looks a little bit different. He eats stuff that's a little bit different. He's not in the middle of where all the action is. He's out across the River Jordan, away from Jerusalem. He's out there. And if you read the other accounts of John, what he's doing is he's preaching, Repent! Get ready! The kingdom of God is coming. And when he's baptizing, he's baptizing as a sign of repentance, of making their heart ready for something. John was living his life. Because he knew his purpose, because he knew that he was the voice that's saying, we need to get ready to receive what God is bringing to us. We need to make our hearts ready to receive the Lord. Because he knew his purpose, he lived his life in a way that demands a question. And the only answer could be Jesus. What does that mean for us? We have the good news. We have the light. We have that eternal optimism and hope in Jesus Christ. We are called to live life in a way that cannot be explained apart from the gospel. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live lives that cannot be explained apart from the gospel. Amen? There's a quick scripture here from 1 Peter 1.16. And it's quoting Leviticus, but it just says, For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God tells His people, Be set apart, be different, because I am different. And you belong to me. And so because of the good news, because he's taken our sin upon him and given us new life and given us the hope of eternal life, because of that, because of the Holy Spirit, we're free from the brokenness. We can live lives that demand a question that only Jesus can answer. Isn't that amazing? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live differently than we did before we knew Jesus. You know, a lot of people think people never change. Well, we don't without Jesus. <laughs> but we have Jesus and we can change. Amen? Mm. And so what does that look like? What does that look like to live a life that demands a question? Well, on the one side, it means not continuing in sin that we used to do. And on the other side, it's, on the other side it says God has prepared good works for us to do long ago. Long before you were ever born, God had good works ready for us, His children, to do. He's prepared them and we just walk into them and do good works. We follow the example that He's given us. Does your life demand a question? If you're a follower of Jesus, does your life demand a question? If someone was to look at your life, are there areas of your life where they're saying, that doesn't make sense and you'd have to use the gospel to explain it. You'd have to point them to Jesus. I don't want to dwell too long on this point, but I just want to give a few quick examples. Tim Keller, uh, uh, a pastor, a church planner in, in New York City, talks about um, one way to really quickly envision how a Christian's life is very different from the world is how they view money, sex, and power. 
Because when we're called to Christ, when we become a new creation, God changes the way we, entirely changes the way we look at those things from the way the world looks at money, sex, and power. So when you look at money, because you've been given everything generously in Christ, because He has provided for every need, because God owns all the money in the world and it's His and nothing can ever change that, and because God is going to settle all accounts at the end of time. We can give freely. We can give insanely. We can give in ways that don't make sense. We can give to people who can never and will never pay us back. We can give to church in ways that people who, who aren't part of the church would be like, what the heck are you doing with that money? When you look at your budget, do you need the gospel to explain your budget? What about power? When it comes to the influence you have. You know, in the ways of the world, it's about the power that you can have and how you can manipulate things to work out according to your plans and serve your purposes and how many people that you can give orders to, right? Make things go your way. But when it comes to Jesus, he showed us, he flipped that on its head. He said, the greatest among you is going to be the least. And he showed us that. He came not to be served, but to serve us. The, the light of the world who made the world came to serve us. He came to, to, to take our death and give us life. To absorb our sin and give us righteousness. When we see that, it changes completely how we look at power and influence. It changes completely how we look at others and we go from manipulating others to serving others. We go from only thinking of our own ambitions and our own purposes to how can I serve their purpose and their ambition? How can I build them up? When it comes to the influence you have, do you need the gospel in order to explain how you serve others? When you look at how you serve others, is is it to an extent in your life that it demands a question? Like, why would you do that? Sex. When it comes to sex, does the way you're living point to Jesus? Because of Jesus Christ, we've been called. We've been made holy. We've been given a new creation. And we've been freed from the brokenness of sin. The tendency to take advantage of others. The tendency to objectify others. The, the tendency to take God's good gift and to distort it and pervert it and use it however our desires lead us. We are free from that and from the brokenness and from the broken lives and relationships that that causes. We're free from the isolation and the loneliness that putting our hope in that gives us. When it comes to this area, does the way you're living point to Jesus? Do the conversations you have in your workplace and in your classroom, does it point to Jesus? Guys, when, when other guys at work are telling their conquests, are you reacting in a way that points to Jesus? Not in a way that's, that's judging and condemning them, but are you reacting in a way that's holy, in a way that's informed by the gospel? Because we're free to. 
So one of the marks of a witness is to lead a life that demands a question that can only be answered by the gospel. Has anyone ever read a book? Uh, there's a book called The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. Anyone ever read that? A few people. Um, there's, a, there's a... I thought it was a really good book. He covers a lot of things in there, but there's one story that really stuck out to me. He had... Um, he had gone to India, Calcutta, India, and he had some time to actually serve in the same area of ministry with Mother Teresa. Um, and she was really old. It was later in her life. And he, he noticed as he was there, he was there for a summer, and he noticed after some time that whenever she would take her shoes off, her feet looked horrible. <laughs> he said that they were all kind of gnarly and naughty, and they kind of looked like... They, I don't know, they, maybe they had been shaped right at one point, but now they weren't any longer. And, and it was enough of a thing. He noticed it enough that he actually asked one of the sisters in her convent, you know, what, what's going on with Mother Teresa's feet? <laughs> and uh, the person explained that everything in their ministry they relied on was donations. Everything that they were able to do was because of donations from others who God had put it on their heart, and every, including shoes. And every once in a while, they would get a new shipment of shoes. And because Mother Teresa had such a heart to serve her, her partners in ministry and the other people that were there in that area, every time that the shoes would come in, she would go and intentionally choose the worst shoes so that other people could have better shoes and so that their, their feet could have a little bit more comfort. And I think the reason that stands out to me so much is it demanded a question. It demanded a question. The way that she wanted to serve and love others was so extreme that it could only come from a heart that had been changed by the gospel. Amen? So the first mark of a witness, demand a question. Second mark of a witness, be ready to answer. Where do we see that in this passage? Um, John's out there and he's a prophet and he's making waves in Israel. People are starting to hear about him. He's not just out there in the desert alone talking. (laughs) People are coming out of the towns and cities surrounding and they're going across the river and they're going to hear this message And he's preaching and he's baptizing and people are changing their hearts and their lives and they're getting ready. They don't know what's coming next, but they're getting ready for what's coming next. And it's making enough of a splash. His life is making enough waves to where he's getting some possible renown. At least there's got to be some rumors that this might be the Messiah. We got to go check this guy out, right? And so they go and in the middle of his ministry, it's almost like... It would be the prime opportunity if his motivation was himself or if his motivation was anything other than pointing to the true light. This would be the opportunity when they said, hey, so are you the Christ? Or are you Elijah? We know, you know, we know that one like Elijah is supposed to come. We know that Elijah is supposed to come before the Messiah comes. Are you him? Are you? They're throwing titles at him. He has the option When his life has demanded a question, he has the option of how to answer it. And what does he do? I am not the Christ. He confessed. He did not deny. He confessed. 
I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you the prophet that Moses said would come? No, I'm not. Then who are you? He didn't waffle. He didn't hesitate. He didn't point to himself at all. He said, I'm not any of those things. I'm just a voice. I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Get ready for what God is doing. Be ready to answer. John John here knows who he is. He knows who he's not. And he knows why he's here. And it all has to do with his relationship to the light. It's not about him. It's not about what he's doing. You know, if the things in his life demand a question, it's not about him and his goodness. It's all, all of that is used to point to the light. Everything I do in my life, even as good as it may be, as many good works, he says, it points to the one who's coming. What does that mean for us? Be ready to answer. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Another translation says, But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And then it says this, Always be prepared. When? Always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. That you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's the thing. Because of the good news. Because of the hope we have. We can be ready to answer. No matter when the question comes. We can be ready to answer who we are. Who we're not. And why we're here. We're not here, just like John in in the beginning of this chapter says, he wasn't there to be the light. He was there to point to the light, the true light that was coming. So everything he did, if there was any light in it, it was just to point to Jesus. If you have hope in Jesus, you have permission to share it. You know, sometimes we get afraid and we get fearful if someone asks us about our faith. And we're like, I don't know if it's the right time to share it. I don't, well, unless you hear the Holy Spirit audibly say no. It's the right time. Jesus said, go do it. Go be my witnesses. Go make disciples of all nations. If someone is asking you about the hope that you have. That's the right time. Don't worry. Don't don't like hesitate. It's the right time. As witnesses of the light, we don't have to hesitate. We don't have to kind of waffle. We don't have to point people to ourselves. As sometimes, if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into that trap of the way we serve others. And and it becomes a way of like, man, I really like how you serve that person. That's amazing. And we're like, thanks. (laughs) Right? And that's the end, right? And maybe it's because of fear, because we don't know how to share the gospel. We're afraid of what they're going to think if we say, well, the reason I did that is because Jesus did that for me. Right. But, but we don't have to we don't have to hesitate. We don't have to waffle about, you know, like John said, no, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not. But there's one who's coming. Right. And I'm pointing to the light. We don't have to point to ourselves. We can point to Jesus. In uh, 2008, 2009, I had a, a favorite T-shirt. And um, it's really important. 
I actually still have the t-shirt. It's not my favorite anymore, but um, I had a favorite t-shirt and it had a, a quote that's, that's fairly popular, you know, and it's said to have belonged to Gandhi, but, you know, who knows? Everyone says quotes belong to, you know, what's that whole thing about you can't trust everything you see on the internet, said Abraham Lincoln. Um, anyways. <laughs> The quote, you guys have heard it, be the change you want to see in the world. Have you heard that? Be the change, be the change that you want to see in the world. And I really liked this quote. And I'm not just dogging this quote. If you really like that, don't don't be offended. I'm not just going to like stomp on it. But I liked it because I found it empowering. It was like, you know, for a while, it was like, yeah, find the change, impact I want to make on the world and go do that. And I don't know how directly, but I, I, I feel like, um, that part of that mentality may have kind of played into when I went on a mission trip to Kenya, the first time I went to Kenya. And I think there was a desire in me of like, yeah, I've just got to, I've got to serve and I've got to love and I've got to give. And it's about what I could do. And I remember, um, I was, it was, the trip lasted for a few, for three months. And there was a point where about two weeks into it, cause we were, we were in a, a slum area of Kibera, uh, Kibera, uh, in Kenya. And, and we were doing all sorts of stuff. We were at schools. We were at orphanages. We were at HIV support groups. You know, we met mothers who um, had uh, seven kids. And then um, their husband had been infected with HIV and gave it to them. And then he passed away. And then they had just all these kids. And then that happened to their relatives. And then they had more kids. No way to make an income. And they, they were trying to support each other. And we were seeing all sorts of um, just of evidence of 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 brokenness and struggle. And, and I remember a point two weeks into the trip where I was at lunch and I was in an orphanage and I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and I just broke because something hit me. It was like, how can this team, this 20 people of us that are here to try to offer hope and, and try to make a difference. How can we even make a dent in all the suffering? How can we even make a dent in the poverty that we were seeing in, in just in that slum area? How could I'm only here for a few months? What can I even do? And I remember I wept. I was just broken. But I also remember that God used that time and that brokenness in me to turn me towards him and to realize it wasn't about what I could accomplish on my own. It wasn't about how much good that I could do on my own to serve someone else. But it was all about Jesus Christ. And it was all about everything that I did pointing to him. And that, that was the difference in that trip going from crushing me into realizing that I couldn't fix everything in the world. I can't even really be the whole change that I want to be in the world. I fall short of my own standards half the time. Right? And yet what Jesus says was for me to be obedient to what he was doing and to point to him. You know, I think the gospel version of that quote would be, be changed by the light of the world and help the world see him. That's our second mark of a witness, to be ready to answer. Demand a question, be ready to answer. And lastly, to make much of Jesus. Make much of Jesus. John the Baptist here According to Luke was 
He had every reason to kind of have the take the seniority card out on Jesus at this point. At least every every worldly reason. According to Luke, John was the older cousin of Jesus. So he was born first. So that's the seniority. I mean, you have cousins like you're in charge if you're the oldest, right? (laughs) When you're growing up with your cousins. So he's born first. He's been in ministry longer. Jesus hasn't even started ministry at this point. He's been in ministry longer. He's he's preached to more people. He's baptized way more people. People are coming to him and asking him if he's Christ. If he's the great prophet. Every reason that we have with worldly eyes, he would have to boast in himself. But what does he do? When he's asked to give an explanation of who he is and why he's doing what he's doing, I'm a voice. Make straight the way of the Lord. Get ready for the Lord who's coming. And then he says this, you know, I'm baptizing with water. You know, this is just a symbol of repentance. But there's one among you. You don't even know him yet. You don't even know the one is among you. He's the one who comes after me, even though he was before me. And then he says this, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. That was the job of a servant in that day. That was the job of a servant to to untie the sandal. And then, you know, if they were coming in the household, the servant would untie their shoes and wash their feet as they came in and wash off the dirt and the grime and all that stuff. And John, who has every fleshly reason to boast in himself, Jesus hasn't done a miracle, hasn't preached a sermon, but he says, I'm not even worthy to be his servant. Later, he says in John 3.30, when he's confessing again about who Jesus is, he says, he must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. People need to see him. People need to believe in him. I must become less. Either John here is crazy Or he's actually seen the glimpse of who Jesus is. Either he's absolutely crazy to say of his younger cousin, I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. Or he's had a glimpse of the light of the world. For us, what does that mean for us? Our culture says to make much of ourselves. It's written in, even to in our, our American dream, is to, to do the best we can do and then be recognized by those around us by what we have achieved or by what we have become. We have a culture, whether we like to say it or not, that says we need to make much of ourselves. We need to toot our own horn. We need to let people know what we've done and what we have accomplished and what we can do, right? But if we've seen the cross, if we've been changed by the gospel... On that cross, we see our sin, we see our wickedness, we see our hatred, but we see His love, His righteousness, His holiness given to us when we didn't deserve it. And our hearts have no other response but to make much of Him. Whatever good there is in my life, it comes from Him. If there's anything you see in my life that demands a question, that demands an answer, 
It's Jesus. It's not me. It's Jesus. Our lives will be pointing to something, but only when we've tasted true life in the gospel will we long to make much of Jesus. Only when we see that even though John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. I'm not worthy to be the one who would be the one to wash his feet. But Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, gets down and washes the feet of his disciples. The master serving the disciples. Only when we see that he's done that for us, for you and me. When we didn't deserve it, are we are, are our hearts going to be changed to make much of Jesus? Amen. And we see that hope that we have and we just want we have we have to share it. I can't help but share it. And we become just like John the Baptist who, you know what? I might be a little bit weird. I might be a little bit different. <laughs> might eat some different things. I might say things loudly. <laughs> but it's all to point to Jesus. And live or die, it's all the point to Jesus. The marks of a witness. To demand a question, be ready to answer, to make much of Jesus. I'm going to end right now um, with a prayer. And um, musicians are going to come up and worship. And as I am uh, ending, I want to invite you, if you haven't believed, if you were here today and you haven't set your faith in Jesus, and you haven't repented of your sins, I would implore you and ask you to do that today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to hesitate. You can do that today. And you can find that when we find life in who Jesus is, we find true life. And so I encourage you as, as we begin to pray to find someone and say, hey, I want to know what this is about. And they can help you. They can help lead you to a relationship with Jesus. And I want to invite you, if you haven't been baptized I want to invite you that that's, that's a beautiful picture that demands a question. Why are you doing that? Why are you getting dunked in the water of Mission Bay, which is where we're going to baptize you if you haven't been baptized? I would challenge you to do that. I would challenge you to, to talk to me or talk to one of the other pastors here today about that. And, and for those of you who have... For those of you who have placed your faith in Christ, we're gonna, we have communion. You know that. We have that every week. I invite you to come and share the gospel with each other right now. To declare Jesus' body broken for us and His blood poured out, spilled for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and find our life in Him. And I'm going to invite you to give freely to the church as an act of worship. That's something that you can do as we sing songs. You can go over and you can give because... That is an act of worship. Giving to God because He's given everything in our lives, everything we have. I want to invite us as a church to become a culture of, of people who witness and experience the joy that Jesus has for us in witnessing. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank You that You've given us such good news. I thank you that when we remember that and when we see that, Holy Spirit, when you fill us with your power, we can't help but talk about it. 
it's just as easy to talk about like a good movie or a good show or a game we saw that even more we have fervor and intensity to share the good news to give an answer of the hope that we're living with God and for those who who, who don't feel that ease right now I pray that you would remind us of that hope for those who aren't living right now as though there's hope in their life God Holy Spirit Remind them of the hope that is in you. Remind us, God, when we fail, when we fall short, when, we, when we're not good witnesses, help us to cling to you. Help us to know that your blood has paid for that and that your spirit has empowered us to share the good news of Jesus with others. Lord, let us be changed. Lord, let our city be changed. Lord, let our families and neighbors, co-workers come to know Jesus in ways like we haven't seen yet. In the name of Jesus, we pray.